Um, we're going to read Psalm 23 together. Um, so all together, uh, let's read the scripture now. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. You may be seated. Man, I was uh, telling them back there and telling you guys, why don't I just not do a sermon, and I'll just go around and hug everybody? I was like, someone was like, you should leave for the AT more often. We're all huggy. We got big food going on, and uh, we're we just you you don't we just feel so so fortunate. And you are part of God revealing Himself to me. Sometimes, as a pastor, I'll be honest. I'm I spend most of my time communicating to people how God reveals Himself, or trying to work at revealing help. Helping people see God in creation or in their in their in their dark time in their good time and I'll be honest there's a lot of times I go back to my desk and I go ah, man I just told those people this but do I do I really think it do I really believe what I'm what, you know am I really buying what I'm selling you know and uh, it's I can't help but go wow you're real you are so real when a through hiker on my front yard says Marcus when I moved to this town come on you know and uh to watch God in this journey this this was not easy like when we decided to do this sabbatical um to to add on to it uh the the Appalachian Trail it wasn't easy for you guys to think about and to work through and it wasn't really that easy for us either you know uh a sabbatical you know we were we were three months and uh I'm not in the shape to hike it in three months as you can see and uh, we'll be having a family of five, and there is definitely no family that's ever hiked it that quickly. Um, you guys might be familiar with the Crawford family. They're a family, famous family that hiked it last year. Uh, they had a two-year-old with them. I'm sure Heidi will feel like sometimes she'll have a two-year-old with her, too. Um, <laughs> just a much bigger one. Hey, but you know what? They actually carry their two-year-old on their back. So can you carry me sometimes? <laughs> that, would be, that would be great. Um, you know, and, and they did about in six months. And, uh, so I don't know, I have no idea if we will make it or not. Um, I will tell you that I'm a very goal oriented individual. Uh, it's what's caused me to be not a very great dad. Sometimes uh, I have gotten very angry at my children and very angry at my wife and very angry at circumstances when I have a goal. And that is to, you know, get to church on time, or it is to be at the mountain on time, or it was to be home on time so the pats, I wouldn't miss the kickoff, you know, or it would be to eat this food while it's still warm and you're coming between me and my food. And, um, you know, that's, that can make me very upset. And, um, and it's not good. It's not good because I have expectations and I have goals that I set. And essentially what I'm saying to my children and my wife and what I'm saying to you as a congregation that I value something more 
uh, then I value you. And so I had some really good mentors. I'm very fortunate to have some good mentors. And uh, one of my mentors sat me down and they said, pal, you have got to get Katahdin out of your language and out of your windshield. Just take that end and just move it. Just get it out. Don't even think about Katahdin. He said, here's the deal. You put in your windshield, the goal of your, your experience is to hike for five months or to walk for five months in the woods with your family. That's the goal. And where you get, it's where you get. And so we're, yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's really, it was really relieving to me because I was doing that really not cool thing. And that was, okay, so if we have five, five months to do this, if we average 18 miles a day and we take two off days a month, that will, and, and that's what I was doing. And that's awful. Nobody would have any fun being around me because I would be in Virginia going, guys, 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 we have only done 12 miles today. We have to get six more right now. Come on. I'm like, wow, I did not sign up for this, you know. And that same mentor really challenged me. He really challenged Heidi and he really challenged me. And he said, Marcus, you're a doer. And it's cool because I love Drew when he preaches. I love to sit out there when Drew preaches because I love how his view sometimes is a little different than me. And he preached a couple weeks ago on the difference of running from God and running for God. And he gave the analogy that in the story of the prodigal son, we always point to the drug user and the, the guy who blew all the money and the guy that went to Vegas and all that jazz. But there's another person in that story who was running for God. And that's just as bad. And so my mentor challenged me. He goes, Marcus, your, your goal is to just be. Just be. Don't do. Just be. And, and he said, I'm, I'm going to challenge you. He goes, I, I, I want you to find space on that trail where you're going to walk away from your family. So you need to get ahead of them or behind them. Let's just be honest. With Heidi leading charge, I'll be behind them. Um, get, get, get away from them for some time. And, and at first, we're not going to do that because we just got to figure out what we're doing down there. But once we get into this groove, I'm going I'm to spend some time away from them. And what was crazy about my mentors is they said this, we don't want you bringing your Bible. And we don't want you bringing your journal. And we don't want you bringing a book. When you go away in the woods, you need to just be away in the woods. And I was like, that, that was weird for me. I was like, wait, wait, you're telling me not to bring my Bible? Like, not even my Bible? And they said, yes, do not, especially don't bring your Bible. Because you have forgotten how to read it as a love letter to you. You're just so worked up in reading it as an as a instructional guide on how to instruct other people to live their life. You have forgotten to read that as a love letter, you know? And I remember back to my time when I was studying abroad in Mexico, and I'd get those letters from Heidi. I did not read those as instructional letters. When I would get, you know, because I lived in Mexico. I had no communication to the outside world. I had no, you know, electricity. I had no running water. So I feel a lot like the AT, but with, I think, better food in Mexico. But, um... That was wicked good food in Mexico. You could get a quesadilla con carne with a Snickers bar and a Coke, two American dollars. Two. And it was full of the best meat you could ever. Oh, and the salsa verde. Oh, my word. I ate like a king. I'm, let's be honest. I'm going to eat like a king on the Appalachian Trail, too. 
right? One of the things I'm excited about is just eating my way up the East Coast. The, 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 the trail does run through all these little Appalachian mountain towns. And what I love about it is you read all these blogs and every town has a Girl Scout, a Boy Scout, a Methodist church, a, 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 a volunteer fire department, a baseball team, a soccer team that are all doing fundraisers where they put on all-you-can-eat pancake breakfasts or all-you-can-eat baked bean dinners. That's going to be rough. Um, <laughs> You know, all you can eat and you just fill in the blank. And I am literally just going to eat my way up the, you know, the East Coast. And uh, so, um, what was I saying? Love letters from Heidi. Thank you. I know it's not good when I go from love letters from Heidi to talking about food. Like, sorry, babe. But the love letters from Heidi, I did not read them as an instructional manual. I didn't go, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt. No, what did I do with those? I read those over and over and over and over again, and I smelt them, and I, you know, and I was like, oh, this is from Heidi's hand, you know, and I love her, and, 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 and that's God's word, and I haven't read it like that in a while. I'm a pastor, and this is my tool, and I need to look at my tool and be proficient in my tool so that way when I get up here, I know how to do it, and so my mentor said, no, yes, you should come back to reading God's word. But when you get out there on the trail, you need to leave it alone for a while. Absolutely leave it alone so that you can get back to reading God's word as a love letter. So uh, as I thought about this, you know, goodbye sermon, I thought, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't, I was like, huh, I just kind of want to say goodbye, you know, doing this sermon. But God gave this to me and I think it's, you know, for me and, and it's for you. Um, so it's from Psalm 23. And have you ever noticed that, that something that is very, very common in your life, that's a good thing, right? Like a good thing. Let's just think about like water. Water is a very good thing. But we in America, especially here in Lincoln, the water here is just so good. We really begin to take it for granted, don't we? we I, I don't think about it. I get a glass of water every morning. That's my routine. I wake up in the morning, I go right down to my, and I take my glass off the, 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 the uh, windowsill and a boom, I have a glass of water. But it's something that's really, 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 really good, right? But I take for granted. I think Psalms 23 is the same thing, right? I, I bet you most all of you have heard Psalm 23 before. Even people that don't have God's word at all or don't read God's word at all, this is hanging in their grandmother's house, right? This is, this is cross-stitched somewhere in their grandmother's house, right? And so this sometimes, I believe, has become so familiar to me, so familiar to me that, um, you know, that I think that we, we begin sometimes to kind of just, we don't hear it anymore. It doesn't mean anything to us because we already know it. Well, boy, oh boy, going on this trip, I read it the other day and I was like, wow, I want to show you something that I, that I saw, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Whoops, that's the wrong version. This is the NIV. That's, I was born and raised in the King James Version. Um, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. My cup runneth over. You anoint my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
met this really cool lady that had three uh, labs. She had a chocolate, she had a golden, and she had a black lab. And uh, their names were Shirley, Goodness, and Mercy. I'm not even kidding you. And she said, yeah, I named them that because they will follow me all the rest of the days of my life. I'm not going to, I was like, you're cool. That was awesome. I'm not joking. I met a lady with three Shirley goodness and mercy. Um, but here, here's, here's what I saw. Here's what I saw. This just was unbelievable to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, beside still waters. In the Old Testament, this is what I love about the Bible. The Bible actually is a very simple book. It does use very simple analogies. Uh, It's hard for me when I was in school and people used analogies that were over my head. I was like in chemistry class. Well, actually, I wasn't in chemistry class. Um, In another class, algebra. I remember that was a hard one. You know, when they started adding letters to math, I was like, wait, wait, wait. I already failed English. Why do I have to have letters? in this class, like, come on. And, uh, but one of the things that the, that the Bible does is it uses very simple analogies, and they're analogies that make sense, especially for the people that are writing it and reading it. And so in the Old Testament, uh, most of the analogies are shepherd analogies. They're sheep and shepherd analogies. In the New Testament, a lot of it is fishing and fishermen analogies, because that's the culture. That's what was going on. And so the writers were using, you know, what they knew. And uh, so this is a shepherding analogy, and you and me are sheep, right? And I've told this story before, but if you haven't heard me tell it, I, it's amazing. I, I was on a, uh, I was on a um, college choir tour uh, one year in Minnesota, and we were out, we were going to the West Coast, and we were singing in, in, in middle of nowhere, South Dakota. I mean, absolute middle of nowhere, South Dakota. And uh, singing in the college choir was always kind of awkward because you would come on like a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday night and you would sing in front of a church, you know, congregation. And then it was kind of like dodgeball afterwards. You would all stand up front and then people would pick you to stay at their house that night. (laughs) Who came up with this idea? Like, you're totally like, who will take me and these two guys? You know, and, and we would have host homes. Well, I'm a super extrovert, so I loved host homes, man. And host homes are like anything else. You can get an amazing one or a really, 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 really bad one. Uh, I've had some really bad host homes. Uh, I stayed in a host home one time where, I'm not kidding you, they showed me to my room and I opened the door and turned on the light and it was a a little uh, Fisher Price plastic toy car bed. And I'm as tall as I am now. Okay, we'll try it out. It got worse. As I got closer to the bed, I began to smell urine. And when I got close and I looked at that bed, it was just, it had been, it had been soiled a lot. And so I just took some of my sweatshirts and some of my stuff and I slept on the floor next to it, you know, so I've had some bad ones. This one was a really, really good one. It was this sweet lady. She, she was, I think in her late eighties, uh, she was a widower and she lived on a sheep farm and they still had sheep. And I think maybe one of her sons would come and do it. But she, she was telling us about her sheep farm. What was cool is she had like a hundred sheep and one wild antelope that made himself part of the flock. It was crazy. She loved telling stories about this antelope that was wild, but decided to become part of the flock. He's like, whoa, these guys eat for free. And they have a fence and the bad, bad wolf stays on that side. I'm hanging out here and this lady's awesome. 
you know? And so she was telling us, she goes, you know, the Bible calls us sheep, right, Marcus? And I said, yeah, yeah, it does. She goes, you know why the, the Bible calls us sheep? And this is what I love about folks of the uh, older generation. They have lost their filter. It's gone. She, she, go, she goes, she goes uh, you know why the Bible calls us sheep? Because we're stupid and sheep are dumb. She goes, I want to tell you a story about my sheep. She goes, see that, see that feeding thing out there, that, that big round metal feeding thing that we put hay in? She goes, we drive the truck out to put hay in that thing. She goes, when that gate opens and they hear the, the, the truck coming, they all gather over by the entrance of, of, of the gate and they begin to follow the truck. They're like, oh, it's coming. Food's coming. She goes, so one day we decided to take these little tiny, you know, square bales come off in those tiny little, you know, sheets, you know, and you would throw the sheet down Boom, and it hit the floor, the ground. You would think that a sheep would stop and, and eat it? No. They walked right over it and kept following that truck. <laughs> so they were like, oh, my goodness. And then they took and they hit the, they hit the sheep right in the head with the hay. Poof. It would stop for a second, shake the hay off, keep following the truck. She goes, I could drive that truck all around that field, and if I had enough gas, they would die following the truck. That's how stupid they are. All the while walking over their food. The whole time. She goes, they're stupid and we're stupid. I'm like, wow. Man, you can learn a lot from hanging out with this lady. And then she fed us the most amazing breakfast. Oh, all kinds of meats, all kinds of cheeses, all kinds of eggs. It was amazing. He leads me beside quiet waters. A shepherd leads sheep to quiet waters because a sheep will not drink from a moving brook. A sheep will die. A sheep will not drink from a bubbling or, or a moving brook. They would die. Isn't that crazy? That water is right there, but just because it's moving, it won't drink it. That's why the shepherd has to find still waters. But here's the thing about our shepherd, because the shepherd in this analogy is God. Our shepherd's gentle. And, and, and our shepherd is not a tyrant, and he's not a dictator. And if me and if you take our calendars and we fill them to the max, and if me and if you take our bills and we fill them to the max or beyond, and if me and you take our lives and we fill it with muchness and manyness, he will work at directing us to quiet waters, but he won't force us to quiet waters. And what's interesting about this quiet waters is that it restores your soul. And since becoming a pastor, I've noticed about myself and I notice about the people that I pastor, our souls are not restored. And I think if you follow it back, it's because we are avoiding quiet waters. I don't know about you, but I'm worried about what I'll find at quiet waters. I'm worried at looking into the pool and what? Seeing me. Moving waters help me not deal with me. Moving waters help me not deal with things. I can just keep myself busy enough so I can keep it loud enough so that I don't hear what's really behind me. My selfishness, my marriage, my parenting, my career, things that I should really stop and really ponder and take a look at in quiet waters. So maybe you're like me. Maybe your calendar is absolutely chock full 
Maybe your day is chock full. Maybe your bills are just absolutely beyond maxed, stressed. Our shepherd will not force you to quiet waters. Though sometimes I've watched him. There are times where I'm like, hmm, is this God doing this? And is he forcing you to be quiet? Is he forcing you to be still? Because only in quiet waters will you get a restored soul. And so I look at this verse and I hear God saying to me, Marcus, I am calling you to quiet waters. And we're going to go out. And here's the thing. I can fill my calendar out on AT. And you know what I'm going to do? If I'm not intentional, I'm going to connect with every single person that I see and be like, whoa, you know them and I know them and all, oh, dude, let's connect with, oh, where's my phone? Well, hold on. I, I do know their number. We'll tell, we'll tell them that we met each other too. No. My, my mentors are saying, Marcus, a sabbatical means cease doing what you normally do. And, and I don't want you to hear that you have to hike the Appalachian Trail. You got to be like me. No, but you have to find one day a week. The Bible commands it. You have to find one day a week to cease doing what you normally do. No, it could be different for you. I am an extreme extrovert, and I, I have my connectors going out all the time, and I connect with everyone that I see. And my mentors are saying, stop. Knock it off. Stop it. You have to stop it. About a year and a half ago, they said, listen, you need to stop one day a week. And so one day a week, like we talked about last week, I get rid of my cell phone. Mondays, I get rid of my cell phone. And I'm about ready to get rid of my cell phone for five months. I don't know if you saw on Facebook this morning, but I signed off. And I had a picture of myself from 2000. 2000, I lived in Western Maine. So 2000, we didn't have the internet in my house. 2000, I didn't have an email. I had an email the next year when I went off to college. Whoa, it was crazy. Dad saved them. This, I'm not kidding you. From 2001, fall of my freshman year in college, he, has, he gave it to me a couple, couple months ago. It's a print off and it says, hi, dad. Pretty crazy that I can say hi to you on this thing. Marcus, send. Hotmail, hotmail. It was my hotmail account. And apparently I liked I rocked Camaros back then. Because my email address was like Z71 Iraq Camaro. <laughs> one that I never had. My aunt had one. <laughs> Drive to prom though. <laughs> one tie of fryer. Um, what was I saying? I got caught up in a green Iraq Camaro. Um, no, so I, I, the picture was with me in 2000, and I, it was before Facebook, before email, but I didn't have a cell phone, I didn't have internet. And it's, a, it's my senior picture. And what's a riot is, uh, is uh, Drew, said, Drew said, yeah, you're going to look like that when you get home too. <laughs> that was me about 60 pounds ago. So we'll see. We'll see if I'm half the man I am now. But it's beautiful. You need to as well. You don't need to hike the Appalachian Trail. But you need to once a week find a day where you cease doing what you do. Maybe you're an introvert and you need to get out of the books or you need to get out of your cubicle. You need to get out of your house and you could do something different. Maybe you're an extrovert and you need to cut off connection. Maybe you're a workaholic and you need to stop working for a day. You know, maybe you're, and you just name it. What do you normally do? You need to stop and you need to trust. You need to trust because when you don't stop, you're putting yourself in God's position saying, I'm needed. I'm needed as much as God. Well, then you got a problem, you know, because you're not God. You will burn out. 
And I'll leave you with this. It's another sheep analogy. It's from Isaiah. And I want to leave you with this because I believe it's the truth. And Isaiah says this, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to their own way. And God has laid the penalty of that on Jesus and saved us all. And my mom and dad had a high school um, teacher. And he believed that if, if the Bible could have one verse, if you could take one verse from the Bible, that would be it. And he'd say, you need to go in on the all and come out on the all and you will be saved. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid the iniquity upon him of us all. Of us all. God, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for this crowd. I thank you so much for the folks coming in in ski pants. Yes, you guys are awesome, and I'm praying for you because you're my people, and I love it when people wear ski pants at church. It's the best. Lord, I thank you for the food that we're about to have. I thank you for this group that we have here. You are absolutely just blowing me away with the support and the love. You are just so, so, so good to us, God. We love you. You've got this. This is not my church. This is not my ministry. I'm just a kid who happened to find the car and jump in for a ride. It's amazing, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.